Welcome to the Michael Jordan episode of Greenlight Pod, number 23, um, if you didn't pick that up. It's supposed to be all about championship weekend. We had a lot more news this week in sports, and most of it's not good news. We've got the Odell thing. We've got the, uh, the uh, Astros stuff. We've got the Aaron Hernandez documentary that everybody's talking about. And, of course, we will talk football and do a mailbag. So stick with us. Uh, it should be a lot of fun today. Okay, let's th- let's just do the pod. Okay, you see what's on the board. We got a lot. We got a lot going today. Welcome to episode twenty-three of Greenlight Pod. I'm your host. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I'm your host, Chris Long. This is uh, my esteemed co-host, Making Gunner, real estate extraordinaire, and uh, wonderful co-pilot on this flight that has been twenty-three episodes long. Thanks, uh, man. So shout out to. MJ. Yeah, we had a good idea. Yeah, I think every pod from here on out, we're going we're gonna to flash a picture up of our favorite player with that jersey number, and 23 has kind of uh, it's been monopolized. Yeah, and we might disagree and have to do a split screen from time to time. Yeah. But the, it's hard to beat the MJ script Chicago jersey from the early days with the Bulls. I would agree. I would agree. I, that's, you know, like a lot... Among the many NBA uniforms that should go backwards, uh, I would say that's an obvious one. Yeah. I don't know where you stand on the 90s ones. I think we've talked about this, but like I was, a, I, I was quickly a big fan of, yeah, it's, that's beautiful. The gold chain. YouTube.com. You can check out MJ and his script Chicago. I think everybody should go back to 80s, 90s. Find me a, an organization that wouldn't be better off. Detroit Pistons should not go back to the Grant Hill you don't like teal. the the teal Pistons. I nah. think they'd be maybe better off. They're back to the red and blue, bad boys era. I think that's where they need to be. Even the Nuggets could go back. You don't even have to go back to the, um, <clears throat> you know, the the multicolored. You could just go back to the the earth tone. Um, what did they have on that thing? Do they have mountains? Well, the multicolor, the Alex English. The Alex Englishes are beautiful, but the Matumbo. Uh, I don't think they had anything. You say Matumbo, I say Bryant Stith. I you think they were Stith. just they were just normal nuggets. Now the Utah Jazz, that's one that I heard somebody remark that it wasn't that it was kind of ugly back in the day. Uh, I, I heard that recently, and I said to myself, "No, nah, today, nah, today is ugly." Agreed. Yeah. Stockton and Malone went through different iterations. That first one is where they belong. Yeah, I love the mountain thing, uh, and I know that. It makes no sense because the the Utah Jazz, but neither do the Lakers. There's no lakes that I would go swimming in. Right, uh, in we the should Los go Angeles back to area. Minnesota Lakers, yeah. New Orleans Jazz. Yep. But then we need new names for Utah, perhaps uh, the, uh, the Peaks. <laughs> yeah, Peaks would the be peaks. good. I guess the Peaks would be good. I, I've thought about this before, but not in depth. L.A. Nightlife. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Traffic. Yeah, L.A. Traffic. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh, L.A. Traffic would be a great name. The Traffic and the Clippers rivalry. That's a great idea. Thank you. Uh, but the Clippers, were they were they always the Clippers, the L.A. Clippers, or did the Clippers come from somewhere else? We'll need to get uh, 
research on that. Yeah, we'll get the research on that. We got a packed show for you today. We're not going to spend a, a too much time bull S-H-I-T-ing. That doesn't count, does it? I think you missed a, a T, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However you want to do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> We're not going to spend too much time BSing at the front of the show. And for those of you listening, in 2020, I'm trying to cuss less on this pod. So by my count, and this is not a scientific um, analysis, my cussing is down. Uh, I did the Steve Gleason uh, Congressional Medal thing this week, and it was remarkable. One of the coolest things I've seen in my life. I was very thankful to get an invite to that thing. You know, I met Steve a little over a year ago. Now it's been like a year and a half. Long admired him. Met him on the field, my last game actually, in pregame warmups. If I see a celebrity on the sideline, I, I do not generally go say hi to them unless I know them. I had never met Steve. I went up and just told him how much I appreciated him and uh, met his wonderful wife, Michelle. Um, met his kids after the game and kind of kept in touch with Steve. And when I got the invite to this thing, I was just blown away. And I said, I gotta go, it's only two hours away. It's up in DC. So I went up there, Drew Brees spoke, a number of politicians spoke who I presume actually don't get along in real life, but um, I guess they do that a lot for a living. They stand next to each other, they give their remarks. Only like 136 Americans have ever gotten that um, honor. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I think he's the first NFL player. You know, you got Jackie Robinson, Steve Gleason, somebody who has revolutionized um, you know, the way we raise money for ALS and has been just a rock star. He's described as a rock star. Uh, somebody who has helped change the tide for technologies that um, give voice to the voiceless, folks who, who have been stricken with ALS for a long time. Um, and it's pretty, it's, it's amazing that Steve, somebody who, who's dealt with this disease for nine years, uh, got up there and gave a wonderful speech um, with the help of these technologies that he's made more available to everybody else. And terrible disease, but somebody who I really admire. Peter King asked me, because he was at the thing, he was like, why do you, what do you think about, what's so special about Steve Gleason to you? And initially I didn't really have an answer because some people I think are just so special, it's hard to put it into a sentence. And um, I got to thinking about it. I said, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the power of his mind. Um, and obviously he has no choice but to, to reflect, to write. I know he writes a lot, um, to save the memories that he can. But he has a, an incredibly powerful mind and also is pure in intention and has the mental toughness to boot. All those things combined make him a great change maker. And, you know, it's easy to raise money. You know, we do it with Waterboys and all that. Like, it's easy to get people to give money. It's easy for me to give my money. But to change people's hearts and give people hope, that's the most charitable thing you can do in the world. And I think Steve's done a magnificent job of that. If he gives somebody hope not to give up, and there were a number of folks with ALS in the crowd that were obviously very moved by Steve's ceremony and his, his remarks, the, you've done so much. Um, so thank you, Steve. It's not just people with the ALS who, who appreciate you. Uh, you've inspired me. When I'm having a shitty day, 
I just think about how laughable my shitty day would be to Steve Gleason and to his family because Michelle is a rock star as well. His kids are rock stars and the entire team that, uh, that keeps that train moving and changing the world is awesome. So thank you, Steve Gleason. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Steve became the first former NFL player yeah. to receive the Congressional Gold Medal, the highest honor that Congress can bestow upon a civilian. It was cool as hell. I mean, pretty cool room there in Congress, the Statuary Hall. Obviously, I've never been to the, uh, the Capitol. <laughs> On topic, I've turned that down twice. But, you know, I'll take a White House tour one day, and this was way cooler than going to do a photo op. By the way, I got to bring it up quickly because we're on the topic. Trump with LSU today. First off, somebody tweeted to me, do you, do you, did you, one of the mailbag questions, and I, I apologize if I, I, I got this cat just assaulted on Twitter, but I didn't realize it was a mailbag question, and I quote tweeted it. He asked me, in lieu of all the LSU Tiger players going, do you, do you, uh, do you regret that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go make a change and have a conversation? I said, well, buddy, that was a twice-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me, but I do not regret it. I also don't demonize these college kids for going to the White House or anybody that goes to the White House because for some people, it might not be about the person there. It's about uh, the building, the experience. For me, it was very much about the person there, and that's okay. We disagree on things. Um, but what I'm certainly not going to do is demonize uh, a bunch of college kids who probably had no choice in the matter. What I don't like, though, is uh, what that guy did when they got there and, and he turned it into a, uh, a political gain thing. I mean, he's turning around, he's addressing Joe Burrow by name. Joe looks wildly uncomfortable. He's clenching his hands the entire time. You've got a bunch of dudes not laughing at his jokes. He, he makes uh, mention of, you know, we've had good presidents, we have bad presidents. Thank we, thankfully, we have a good one now and they're trying to impeach this son of a bitch. And huh. I'm just like, you know, these kids are, You've got a bunch of kids that probably don't agree with your politics and probably think you're a joke, and you invite them to the White House. It's not just a photo op. You're using it to get your jokes off and hope that they're laughing behind you. And he said, uh, you know, he made mention some twisted metaphor of how the football team would have done the same thing to the terrorists. Mm. I'm like, dude, the kids came for a fucking picture. Oh, excuse me. Can you leave them alone? Just let them take the picture. Half of them probably don't like you anyways. And if you like him, I know I probably have some people listening to this pod. I hope you change your mind. But um, that's the beautiful thing about America. I didn't have to go. I don't have to like him. You can like him if you see fit. I think uh, eventually we'll be able to revisit this. You said twice in a lifetime. Could be three. Can't, could, rule, can't rule out anything. Yeah, you can't rule out a uh, comeback. That's right. You, you really can't. No tease there. Um, on the good news front, uh, Marcus King, the Marcus King band, just released a new album. I, I learned that right before uh, we sat down in the chair. Marcus King is one of the best young acts in music, period. I can't wait to listen to the album. Had no idea. My music shout-outs this week. Green Sky Bluegrass. Um, what am I... I mean, like, I've, I've, I've been listening to him for a couple years, but lately... I've been really into that all access uh, album of theirs, which is a, a live album. Um, and I don't care if it's not traditional bluegrass or what have you, it's good music. Uh, my favorite song is probably Living Over, but my favorite thing they do is their live stuff. Another musical shout out, if you've never heard of Shuggy Otis, 
and there's an 85% chance you haven't. I'm actually going to put it at 95. Me? No, not not you, the listeners. Okay. Have you heard of Sugi Otis? No, great name. Waylon loves Sugi Otis. Um, Sugi Otis um, is an older dude. He began playing guitar when he was two years old and performed professionally with his father's band at the age of 11. Um, he, he would often distinguish himself with dark sunglasses and a false mustache so he could play with his dad's band at after-hour spots, and he was underage. And this dude was awesome. Like, everybody wanted to play with him back in, I guess it was like the 70s. I mean, the Stones, Quincy Jones wanted to produce an album. David Bowie wanted to work with him. Um, and he just turned it all down and disappeared for the better part of 40 years. And it's like one of the biggest hidden what might have been uh, stories in music. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, and maybe they have already, there's a documentary about this guy. He was so wildly talented. Um, so go check out Chuggy Otis. Freedom Flight was a great, great album. An absolute classic. Waylon's favorite song. Sorry. No, Waylon's favorite song is um, is uh, Me and My Woman. Nice. Yeah. Sugar's got a son named Lucky. Lucky. Does he? Lucky Otis. That's such a great name. That's a great name. I would trade my name in a heartbeat for Lucky Otis. Lucky Long. Or just Lucky Otis. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, Long's a pretty cool last name, but... Typically, we do one for one here. I, uh, I see that I've downloaded one new song oh, since great. we last did this. Let's hear it. Larger Than Life by the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> And I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, that's legit. Um, and the inspiration would be the UVA uh, band playing it at JPJ. And I was like, yeah. They played it at I, JPJ? Yeah. I was like, man, that's good. I need to get that back in the rotation. For a second there, I didn't know what song you were talking about. And then in my brain, the hook came. Yeah, I'd play it. But uh, we could get in trouble with YouTube if it goes longer than five seconds. Yeah, well, I'm glad you found some new music this Thanks, week. That's man. a good find. It's no Shuggy Otis. Might be a little dust on the bottle there. David Lee Murphy. Yep. Uh, anyways, Shuggy did three albums before 21 and disappeared. So check him out. I think, uh, I think you'll really like some of his old stuff. He was something else. He's Another, still uh, with us, by the way. Yeah, well, musically, he was something else back mm -hmm. then. I don't listen to his new stuff. 66 years of age. I don't, I don't listen to, I don't know if he's got any new projects out. I'm not hip to the new stuff. But if he does tour, I'd really like to go see him. That would be on my little, uh, little bucket list. Um, Mostly instrumental album released in April 2018. There we go. Titled Interfusion. That's why you're the music guy. Yep. Um, <clears throat> another thing, when you talked about a megaphone, that reminded me of another topic we have to hit mm. is Odell. 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 So the background is, uh, everybody knows it at this point, the first viral video, the most viral video, actually, this proves the point. Um, everybody's talking about Odell, and a lot of media members are saying, well, that's because the media is making it about it. Well, you're, you're in the media, so that's kind of what you do. If Odell has a, a closet full of shoes, you show up at his house with, with uh, a camera. If he signs an autograph... At a restaurant, you show up with a camera. You blast out all that stuff. You know, he, he handed out cash to a couple players on the field, or allegedly cash. Allegedly, not sure if it's fake cash. It looked very real to me uh, after the game. And the thing I've seen most, uh, unfortunately, for the kids after the game has been Odell's stuff, not the kids. And I know I'm going to get a lot of OK Boomers, but 
I wasn't going to make that thing a big deal. It's not like he, he deserves to be crushed for that. I mean, it's weird behavior to me. It's, it's odd. It's not something I would have done. I'm pretty sure if I'd have saw that, saw that tape the next day, I'd have cringed at myself. But I was led to believe that him handing out uh, cash to Justin Jefferson and John Trey Kirkland. Yep. Um, I, would, I was led to believe that if we, our assertion was that he was putting kids at risk, it wasn't a big deal because they were done uh, and that he was making a heroic statement uh, for people pushing for kids to get compensated for what they sacrificed on an athletic field in college. And I'm with that. I'm with kids getting paid. And we've said this before. I don't, I don't believe that, well, how are we going to do it? We don't know how we're going to do it is, um, is a valid argument or defense for the fact that you know, the college football playoff is making hundreds of millions of dollars on the backs of those kids, uh, the least they can do is get paid. So if Odell took matters into his own hand, fine. If you're defending it, fine. I don't think that everybody wondering what the aim was or thinking it looked a little awkward or cringy is a bad person or uh, a boomer. Yeah, I've seen it described as his trolling the NCAA, which in my view is great. Great, I'm with that. But there's a pattern of behavior within about a two-hour span. There's a lot that would that's that's uh, cringeworthy at the very least. Yes, I mean it's it's look at me in a game he was not involved in. And listen, I mean maybe he was a little popped. Uh, you know, very likely he was popped. The megaphone video was the biggest um, evidence to me that he was absolutely on Jupiter um, and slapping a cop on the backside yes that was and listen i am not going to sit here and defend a cop going in there and kind of harassing those kids but also like what do you think is going to happen it's uh it's it's just another thing and like you mentioned whether it was like talking during coach o's speech or you know the megaphone thing which was listen we all have bad nights and it sucks for odell that he has a bad night in front of hundreds of millions of people effectively with the way videos get shared. My biggest thing here is that when I looked at it, in actuality, Justin Jefferson and, and John Trey Kirkland are uh, juniors, right? Jefferson's declared, but yeah, was a junior. So, a junior. so one's declared and one's coming back, and that was my worry. My, like, I don't mind showing up the NCAA, I'm on your side. But there is a fallout um, and a collateral damage possibility to you making that action and one is a kid that now is wondering if he's going to get sanctioned well a lot of the people defending odell's actions uh which is certainly reasonable on the field i i I suppose are now at the same time calling joe burrow a snitch because eight hours after the game in a podcast probably half drunk um he was asked uh, about the money and he alluded to the fact that he got real money after the game which is a you know to the people defending Odell, big fucking whoop. Um, that was the point of the exercise. And by the way, I've gone back and looked at all Joe Burrow's tweets since he was in high school, and half of his tweets are, as we discussed uh, on the last pod, having to do with railing against that machine that, that, um, that reinforces the amateurism scenario perpetually. So um, I think if I'm Joe Burrow and I'm half asleep at 8 in the morning and I'm thinking everybody knows that's real money, I'm kind of supporting my guy, Odell. I'm, I'm part of the fight, right? You know, that was what I was told. I was told, to, but now he's a snitch. 
according to a lot of people on my timeline. And I don't think you're very in- intelligent if you say he's a snitch. I guess Sports Center snitches on uh, on the big game. It's all on camera. Like, it, what do you expect the kid? Like, what do you want him to do? It's it's not Odell's fault at all. It's all Joe Burrow's fault to some people, and and that's uh, that's that's funny to me. I'm with you. I think with perhaps a little more time. He probably wouldn't have said anything. He might have said nothing. He might have said, nah, yeah. of course it wasn't real. Absolutely, but at the time, in my opinion, and this is part of the important timeline because the timeline is that uh, Tuesday, the LSUAD Munson downplayed it as a joke. He said the, the bills appeared to be fake, and Wednesday, LSU released a statement saying that it might have been real. That same day, Pardon My Take came out, which was the, uh, the podcast that Joe was on. So for most people, I don't know if they realize, but um, even with the contextual clues in the interview, I think a lot of people calling him a snitch are also um, reading sound bites uh, or, or you know headlines rather than hearing the context clues that would make it obvious that the game occurred seven, eight hours ago. And this is the problem. These kids didn't get a briefing on what the talking points were. It's not like Odell probably spent five minutes with him like, hey, if this comes up, don't say anything. Right. At, you know, at that juncture, you're thinking, this is common knowledge. It's on camera. I've already seen it a million times on my timeline. So Wednesday, that pod drops. And uh, I know this, this whole timeline because I'm out at 2, 3, 4 in the morning with PFT and Big Cat. I, I, I was with him when uh, five sheets to the wind, three, five would be more we got word that they were going to go do a podcast in about six hours. So they had to get their shit together. Uh, Big Cat slept in his shoes. Um, <laughs> he wore the same, that same outfit, those outfits they had on during the interview were the outfits they had on on Bourbon Street. I saw PFT get slapped on Bourbon Street, which also went viral. I'm glad I didn't end up in any of these videos. Um, but anyways, the, the point is that on uh, on Wednesday... There was a lot of back and forth um, with LSU. At first, they were like, "It's it's real." Then it's not real, and then it's real. So there's a lot of there's a lot of second guessing it, and then the pod drops. I just think this is this proves the point of anybody who's like, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Like wh- whatever you think is right or wrong or indifferent, maybe this wasn't wasn't a great idea, and maybe it shouldn't it should just happen in the tunnel. I'm all for a kid getting a, a, a an envelope. Sure, but you also got to realize at the same time you're dealing with NCAA, which might jump in the middle and try to affect players' eligibility. I mean, they're not going to go to the degree of... It's like the uh, Texans-Bills kickoff right? where he, the returner gave himself up and they yes. didn't give the Bills a touchdown. It's like, yeah. hey, let's do the common sense thing here yeah. and look away. Exactly. Not a big deal, but the NCAA is not known for doing that. They are not. Now, uh, from what it sounds like, as long as the LSU Tigers uh, and Coach O and his whole um, you know, conglomerate didn't know that this was going to happen, then... Odell's just a rogue booster. Yeah, he was a rogue booster, which, which at this point he was, and he's harmless. I mean, the kids could give the money back. Um but Joe Burrow's point was the point that uh, that I think Odell was trying to make, which is that, yeah, I'm not, I'm done with school. Like, why wouldn't I take cash? And by school, he means the two online courses he was, <laughs> he was taking in his apartment. 
Yeah, so it's, a, it's just a total you-know-what show. Um, but Odell, tighten up, man, a bit. Is now an okay time to remind the people that Odell scored four touchdowns this season? I, I really don't – I don't know if that's relevant. I mean, it's relevant in the conversation, but but it makes no difference whether he scored 12 or 15. I probably would be reacting the same way after one of his great Giants years, which is that I get the the intention – if your intention is indeed to make a statement, I'm all for that. I'm against the NCA profiting off these kids so freely, but maybe there was a better way. And you know, people who are critical of this monologue will tell me that, well, there's never a good way, is there? You know, it's never good enough. You know, like when when you're fighting for justice, I'm like, well, I mean, like there are possibly better ways that don't that don't <laughs> compromise some of the athletes. Yeah, exactly jeopardizing eligibility, literally, when dealing with NCAA. But if it's just a stunt, great. Subtract interrupting Coach O's speech. Subtract slapping Those a were cop points for you. on the backside. Yeah. Subtract the megaphone. And, and I'm, I'm much better with it. And I am in no way sitting here saying, um, listen, uh, Odell... You know, I'm I'm in no way saying that those cops weren't being ridiculous in the locker room. I mean, they were acting like mall cops, mall cops. And there's people saying that Odell was distracting the cop who was about to start static with uh, with some of the LSU players. But all this is done, and this has proved itself out. And the media members that act like the media members that act like. Uh, well, this is just, this is the media's fault. Like, this is what y'all do. So what do you mean? Just because you like Odell, and I, I like Odell, just because you like Odell doesn't mean that in this instance, you get to wash your hands of what you do 365 days a year. You're the media. Yes, we know. You are You are the reason everybody's seeing it. But if it's not you, somebody else is, is going to share the video. So you know the game, and you don't want to sit out the game, so you got to talk about it. Um and I just think it's a big, big shit show. That's my biggest takeaway. Yep. So, um, Aaron Hernandez documentary. Yeah, talk to me about it. I am not a true crime guy. I'm yeah. Not a, I'm not a Dateline viewer. Yeah. That sort of thing. Unsolved Mysteries as a kid uh, gave me nightmares. Yeah, yeah. So, I stayed away. I told you if you want to give me homework and have me watch it, I'll watch it. But for now, I'm going to... I'm going to let you give me your review. Yeah, it's um Yeah, it's it's uh it was it was a tough watch. It was just a tough watch because for me it has nothing to do with watching a, uh, uh, one of my NFL peers and we crossed over for a couple years not on the same teams and I didn't know him. I knew people who knew him. I still know people that knew him. It's a tough watch because like any of these things it's like when we did the um was it Jeffrey Dahmer last year? They did that whole series on that on that thing. And, you know, a lot of people are like, why are we glorifying this? And why are we why why are we giving this thing credence by creating an entertainment value for um this string of events? Uh and I see that side of it, but I also see the side of it that uh what makes people tick, why these things happen are important, especially in this situation, because it's such a, it's such an outlier. Although a lot of people would lead you to believe that we're all doomed as football players to commit mass murder and uh, off ourselves because we got hit in the head. Uh, and I'll get to that in a moment. But um, 
it's it's weird. I mean, it's weird to me for a number of reasons. It's sad to me because obviously there are victims to these crimes. It's uh, that gets lost in the shuffle a lot during this whole thing. And one scene that that got driven home for me was seeing uh, Odin Lloyd's mom just getting like every other. Uh, relative of a victim of a terrible crime getting harassed by the news on her front porch and just amazing that you have to go out and give a statement and all these reporters act concerned and they stick their microphone in your face thank you for your time sorry really sorry you're going through this but we're going to stick a fucking microphone in your face and and um and camp outside your house after you lost your son netflix they took a whoever produced this, directed, they took an ambitious stab at this thing, and I think that, um, I think they fell short in some areas, but it was mostly on a production level. I, I heard some people that were were bothered because they thought it was uh, painting a picture where it excuses behavior. I, there's no excuse for his behavior, but the why is important. If we don't learn from this stuff, it's pointless. And also, it's not like the O.J. Simpson thing where, you know, 15, 20 years later, he's committing a string of uh, crimes of passion, it would seem. Um, this is a guy who caught a touchdown in, in the Super Bowl, and in the midst of all this, he did a double murder and then went out and played all fall. Um, again, it was ambitious. It, it weaved a lot of storylines together, and I think you know, my elevator speech to somebody who hasn't seen it and you haven't heard any of the any of the reasoning, because some of this was new to me, I knew whisperings of, of some of the trauma he had been through. Um, and this is, again, not excusing his behavior. I don't think there's any fucking excuse. And I'm not gonna make CTE an excuse either. Um, he, was, he was a closeted homosexual um, in an alpha male sport, and that's unimaginably hard. I mean, like, and this was, this is not a rumor anymore if you're taking the multiple accounts into, into the equation. I mean, they interviewed a, a, a fling of his uh, at length, a friend of his, uh, his late years in high school, they had a fling and this guy spoke on it. Um, you know, there's also evidence that he had a jailhouse uh, fling and, and, and uh, that's gotta be unimaginably hard for, for anybody in our society, but let alone a guy playing professional football who also had an abusive father um, there was mention made of uh, an instance where the dad, um, who was kind of a, a hometown hero, they called him the king. He was a football player. He played at UConn, um, larger than life personality, but had a darker side. Uh, there was an instance that was made mention of him slamming his wife's head into a sink multiple times until she was unconscious. Um, there was probably sexual abuse that his brother alluded to. Uh, probably happening to Aaron at a, at a young age. He was probably a sociopath. I mean, you're talking about a guy, about a guy that, um, you know, they made mention of this in, in the documentary uh, or the series, goes to jail, he's living in a mansion, immediately he's, he's booked and he's in a seven by 10 and there's no adjustment. You know, people in the corrections facility were like, what's up with this dude? He's just like, he's fine. As like, in he was at home. Yeah, he was just at home. Yeah. And uh, there was a tremendous lack of remorse with his crimes. I mean, talk about killing Odin Lloyd and the next day, uh, you know, surveillance cameras in his man cave have him playing with his friends and playing with the kids. And um, 
there was there was a, a definitely a temper there. Uh, but this was a guy who was living a double life and also not a smart guy. I mean, he left a, a shell casing in his rental car and uh, sticks of gum. Even offered um, the rental car lady a stick of gum before dropping the rental car off. She remembered what flavor it was. You know, it was all it all strung together with surveillance video and 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 evidence that um, it kind of was the nail in the coffin for him. I mean, mainly the shell casing. I mean, they 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 mentioned that they had his retro Jordan Eleven footprints in the um, in the industrial complex that he dropped Odin Lloyd's body in. The footprints perfectly preserved. He had cameras in his house. He was sloppy about that. Um, not exactly a guy who had a plan. Um, I mean, beyond all the the family trauma, he had after his dad passed. I mean, this is one of the biggest ones. His dad died in um, in surgery, so it was sudden. And his dad was, uh, by all accounts, his main disciplinarian. I mean, this kid lost everything when he lost his dad. He had trauma in his life. He was suppressing his homosexuality. Um, when his dad died, his mom took in the cousin's boyfriend. Like, they made a lot of mention of that. She, she engaged in a relationship with a relative's mm. man. Um, there was a lot going on for him. And on the sociopathic end of, end of the spectrum, Guys that played with him and talk about him, they say that you would never know it. I mean, like in the facility, and, and Robert Kraft was on, on, um, on the documentary talking about this, was he said he was first class in the building. And I completely believe that because when you hear people telling stories about what he was like there, you would have no idea. Charming, engaging, um, not somebody who was living a double life. Not somebody who had killed multiple people uh, allegedly, because he did get off on the uh, second, the second murder case, the double murder. Um, you know, there was another guy that he uh, he was alleged to have shot in the head. Um, so this this was relatively normal for him, and I wonder if this is the tip of the iceberg. If I'm a betting man, it would stand to reason that it's happened more than we know at this point, but the important part is that it's irrefutable that, that he did at least one of these things, and, and I'm not a fool. Uh, he probably did more of it. Um, now, one thing I took away was that was interesting in this thing was when Aaron Hernandez did this, and then subsequently, a couple years later, hung himself in his uh, jail cell, one of the first things I heard, as you often do when there's a, a player who exhibits any erratic behavior, goes through a tough time, or does something outlandish like this, is that it's CTE. Um, and of course, that is, um, that's something that's relevant in this conversation because when his brain was donated for research, he had, uh, I guess, the highest level of CTE for somebody at his age group ever found. Now, there's a few issues with this for me if you're going to assign all his behavior to this. Everything I just mentioned, all the trauma. Um, also the fact that there are around 1,600 players that play professional football every year. And in the game's history, I think he might be one of the only ones I can remember that actually killed somebody during his career. I don't know, Ray Carruth was done. Um, 
But this guy also seemed like a sociopath. Uh, there was there was trauma in his life. We just always seem to go to this head trauma um, scapegoat, so we can easily define things. We can easily. I don't know if we're excusing his behavior or if we're just in denial that somebody could do this. Like, the thing is, in your locker room, you have no idea who you're playing with. You have no idea what's really going on at home, uh, mentally, with your teammates at, at some times. And I understand that he had a lot of tau protein buildup in his head, his uh, areas that were really important for a lot of decision-making um, processes in his brain were, were um, compromised. But I would also say that for every Aaron Hernandez, there's like a, there's an Alan Page, you know, and for every suicide we hear about, there's a, uh, there's like a Jack Kemp who's, you know, ran for president and he's deceased now, but you get the idea. I mean, there's tons of guys who are, um, who are doing just fine after football. And I am not a CTE denier. Um, it's real. Tau protein is easily observable in the brain. You can't diagnose it in the living. That's the problem. That's what makes this so insidious is that you have no idea what's going on until they cut you open after you're, after you're, um, and, and that's, uh, that's what makes it scary for players. Um, but for every guy struggling after football, wondering if it's CTE and it could be, um, there's also guys quietly living out really happy lives. And I know that one of the, um, the biggest uh, alarms for people who are rightfully taking it to the NFL about sweeping head trauma under the rug and not giving a shit enough, um, a lot of people talk about a study where of over 200 brains, including like 111 NFL players, donated brains that the vast majority of them had CTE. In fact, 110 out of 111 brains that were donated in that study out of the NFL sample size all had it. So I find there to be some issues with that, with assigning behavioral outcomes like this one to CTE. First off, we need more research. We need more time. Um, another thing is the game has changed so much uh, since you know some of the larger sample size I feel like we're getting. Uh, the, the game has changed a lot from the new CBA protecting players from from injury, from leading with your head, to better helmets, to you know shorter training camps, to, I mean, the game is not safe. It'll never be safe. Play at your own risk, but it's never been safer. Um, my problem is that if 110 out of 111 players had CTE um, observable in their brain after death, then if your assertion is that that percentage is, um, is accurate across the sample size of 1,600 players or you know guys that played five, seven years, then we should be hearing a lot more bad stories. And another thing that people are gonna have a big problem with, and again, I, I believe in CTE, it's real, head trauma's a problem, football is bad for you, I'm with all that, but the NFL suicide rate is uh, lower than the general population suicide rate. You know, CDC did a study uh, the Institute for National, uh, or the Institute for Occupational Safety and Health did a study uh, like a couple years ago in 2016. The study involved about 3,500 guys who played five seasons between 59 and 88. And again, these were rough years. Guys were getting knocked out cold, smelling salts, grab a uh, Salem light, and get your ass back out there. 
Um, it's not like today where they can pull you out from the booth. And that's not perfect. They need to improve it. Um, but it's different. You get the idea. Compare with the general population during the years of 79 to 2013, there were 12 suicides to 25 suicides. So the NFL um, in that sample size had, size had 12 suicides and general population had 25. So also another study between uh, 60 and 2017, 2007 said the same thing. Assaults and homicides are down uh, in comparison with the general population. Now I know there's factors like you know, a player's health um, you know, physical health might impact his mental health in a positive way. Also, my bank account could make me happier than, you know, a dude making minimum wage. Like, I get that. I'm immune to some really bad pitfalls that regular folks aren't. But if that thing's accurate and we're predicting behavioral outcomes, including depression, suicide, erratic behavior, et cetera, there should be way more murders and way more suicides if we have it figured out. And I just don't think we have it figured out yet. So I think it's lazy, and with the Aaron Hernandez thing, it's a good time to talk about, you know, rant about the fact that, yeah, it can be absolutely real, but yeah, we also might not understand it yet. And uh, we shouldn't get so arrogant and put the cart before the horse. Another study came up a year ago that compared football to baseball in a study, which was was better, because you're comparing it athlete to athlete. Guess what? When I first started reading it, I felt like a moron because uh, it showed me that baseball players live seven years longer, whopping 66 years old compared to 59 years old from a sample size that they, that they looked at. Um, and football players are dying earlier. But when I read, it had nothing to do with head trauma. It had everything to do with cardiovascular disease, two time, two, over two times, almost two and a half times the rate of heart disease was the big thing. It doesn't control for big guys. That's part of it. You know, there's bigger guys playing football than baseball. I don't, you know, there's mostly little dudes. Not everybody's like, uh, give me a fat baseball player. Um, 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 yeah, Bartolo, Bartolo Colon. Colon. I want uh, Pablo Sandoval. Pablo Sandoval. Or John Crook in his prime was a big guy. Now, Crook is, is a legend and yeah. uh, a pillar of health, I think, now. But he was a, he was a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that study, uh, that study was illuminating because it just goes to show that sometimes if you dig into the numbers, it's not as obvious as people want to make it sound like. I'm not a denier and I'm not an alarmist. Football is bad for me. I'm probably going to die early because of it. Um, but I had a good run. And uh, I had a dad who played 13 years in the NFL. This is very re- real to me. It's, cl- it's near and dear to my heart. And I'm not... I'm not being exhaustive on the topic because because I'm in denial. I'm just a very realistic person. And I'd like to know what my future holds. But I'm not going to sit here when Aaron Hernandez does something awful, a number of awful things, and and be force-fed this narrative that, yeah, my agency is gone because I played football, like automatically. Right. And his his agency is gone. You're not more worried that you're at a you have a better chance of committing violent crimes because of CTE. No. Look um, at Aaron Hernandez's history, his upbringing. Those are the predictors, these, more so. These than stressors the and probably the fact that some people can just be bad people. Yeah. Some people can be sociopaths, some people when we do this thing, you know, we do it right now with Antonio Brown who's obviously struggling with something. We do it right. We do it with NFL players all the time when they retire and act crazy. Tweet some crazy shit. 
commit a crime, whatever, we do two things. One, we assume that there's no other mental health issues for human beings. Like, there's no schizophrenia, there's no bipolar disorder, there's no, and a lot of times, the NFL is a Band-Aid for those issues. Since I've retired, I've gotten to know myself like way better. When I was playing, you know, the um, is excellent exaltion or what, if you're exalted, if you're praised a lot, is that mm-hmm. the word? Yeah. Um, you just, you're high on being praised all the time. You're, you run on that. You run on praise. You don't have time to think. You're so stressed. Your performance is, uh, is required all the time, even in the off season. When you have a break, you're just not, you're not living in real life. And when you get out of it, I think a lot of times what we discount for people, and obviously Aaron's an outlier because he did this while he played. Also, if you're contending that he had a ton of CTE for somebody his age, it's not like we have 100,000 people um, you know, in our sample size from that age. Most of the people that we're comparing his CTE to are people that are older and played a lot longer and it had more time to develop. Um, well, right, and he died at 27. Yes. Um, so my issue is, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious why we do this, we totally discount the existential crisis when guys leave the game. You're talking about somebody who has been high on praise, tied their identity to football. You know, you know how drunk social media can make you. Regular people, Instagram, Twitter. Imagine if you've got a million followers. Imagine if every time you do something, people praise you. Imagine if, you know, your normal is scoring a touchdown in front of millions of people. And we're not talking about Aaron here. We're, 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 um, we're talking about this entire issue. You get out of the game, you've got a ton of free time, you've got idle time, devil's playground. You've got realities with yourself and with the world around you that you have to face now and nobody cares about you anymore the way they used to. Add to the fact that a lot of mental uh, health issues arise in your 30s. Uh, they don't manifest until your 30s. Um, it makes this a really muddy picture. And I'm no expert on this thing. I know I should say that the front end of this thing, not the tail, tail end, but I'm from a football family. Uh, I look at my dad and God willing, uh, you know, he's gonna be just as brilliant as he is now at 83. You know, he just turned 60. Um, I don't know what causes some people to act crazy. I, they might cut me open, you know, tomorrow, not to be morbid, and my brain could be full of tau protein. It probably is. Why am I not acting like a nut job? You know, why do I have a bunch of teammates that have done great things after football if we're all doomed? And that's my thing. We're not all doomed. Aaron Hernandez was not doomed because they played football. Maybe it was part of it. I don't know. We'll never know. But there was also a lot of stressors and traumas in his life that could have been uh, a big cause. And you also had his college coach, according to multiple reports, saying, stay away from this guy. Yes. Urban Meyer told a scout reportedly back before that draft, this guy lies, he beats the system, yep. he teaches his teammates how to beat the system, yep. and I'd stay away. And then he's, he's quoted after Belichick, a friend of his, drafts him, I have no idea why he did that. Yeah, listen, um, 
teams look the other way all the time. Um, it's enticing because if you talk to some people, they'll tell you that uh, that Aaron Hernandez could have been the best tight end of all time. I mean, when him and Gronk came in the league, supposedly in the beginning, everybody was like, who is this Aaron Hernandez guy? Mm-hmm. How did he fall to the fourth? Well, we know why now. There was some smoke. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's the Aaron part of it. On the, on the doc side, you know, some observations. We had a Chris Borland appearance, by the way. Uh, and Chris Borland might disagree with me on, on you know, my, my skepticism of, you know, us all being doomed. Um, but it, it was interesting because it, the, the documentary did not hit people over the head with it. I thought they did a good job of showing every every side of it, and I don't think they were making excuses. What they were saying was, these are the reasons that maybe somebody did something like this. And by the way, there are a ton of people in uh, in America that tend to shoot e- each other with guns. Who they, do not play football. They all have CTE now. I guess we got to go cut everybody open who uh, who did a murder um, in the in in in, uh, in America. Quick aside. I used to be terrified of the whole CTE thing. It's still a very realistic concern. But when all of it came out in the middle of my career, I was also extremely stressed. You know, I have anxiety. I've had it my whole life. Not terrible, but um, something I just manage. Um, I used to have panic attacks and whatnot. Um, When CTE came out, when everybody, the movie and all that stuff, we used to joke about it in the locker room, like, but we were joking about it because we were scared. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those things. And I thought about like, hey, do I want to be like Chris Borland? Do I want to walk away? And that was enticing, but I stayed because I was such a, a little bitch about it. I'm glad I did. But also there's a point in your career where you're like, oh, the damage is probably done, um, whatever it is, and we'll never know. I won't know till later. But there was a time where I got kind of down and I got, I got almost like... I felt like I was changing. Well, I completely discounted all the stressors in my life, like, you know, going one in 15 perpetually for half a decade, like being paid a bunch of money to go out there and perform the pressure of that, like being just burning the candle at both ends for the better part of a decade. Football's hard. And when you add into um, the equation something like anxiety or whatever, it can be a self fulfilling prophecy. I'm glad that my life. You know, I've never been happier. I've never been so like clear of thought and um, and just emotion and 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 part of that is the clarity that comes when you walk away from the game if you if you if you if you approach it right. Um, but in the middle of my career, I was like, oh, something might be wrong with me. I'm really stressed out. Am I depressed? Am I is my anxiety getting worse? Well, part of your anxiety getting worse is being told on the news every day you're going to die early. Oh, and you might murder some people. Right. Um, that's scary, and that's called a a self fulfilling prophecy. If uh, if you go down that road of rumination and like, I'm fucked. So it's a complex topic. I'm not discounting all the great research. I appreciate the great research. It, it should continue, and the league should take it seriously. And when Paul Tagliabue's been in the news this year or this, this week because of the Centennial Class in the Hall of Fame. A lot of people's biggest gripe is that he um, swept this stuff under the rug. That's not good. I mean, like, I don't appreciate that. I, um, 
I resent that. I resent any time the NFL sweeps it under the rug. We play at our own risk right now, but we need to make the game safer. It'll never be safe. I appreciate the research, but I'm also not going to accept the fact that I'm going to lose my mind one day. Maybe I will. No way to know. But if I'm looking at the, 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 the data, we, we got some work to do to make this a real predictable thing. Well, and let's hope that doesn't happen uh, in the event it does. You can take the pod. You, uh, I'll take the pod. Um, I'd like to think I'm among a strong support system that yeah. you have. A guy like Aaron Hernandez did not have that. Yeah, no. And getting drafted by the Patriots, being in New England, being from Connecticut, where he grew up with guys who had similar issues, was uh, it, it had all the makings of a bad ending. Did I also mention that he was smoking PCP and, and like K2? You didn't. I mean, literally, there was a point in the documentary, and I can understand why some people might look at this part and be like, what the fuck? This woman was like, we were just trying to figure out why would somebody take their own life? What's the suicide rate in jail? Probably higher than, than the gen pop, and I don't mean the, the gen pop in jail. I mean, like, people out in the world. Um, also, did you miss the part where two days earlier somebody in the Boston media outed him? Right. That's a secret that uh, you know in that in that um in that in that series if you were listening and you understand what they were going for they weren't saying there's anything wrong with being homosexual. Like I'm like I wish Aaron Hernandez I wonder if that wasn't a secret what he would have acted like. I could imagine there'd be a lot of rage because our society uh, especially in the alpha male sport we play is not accepting of that. Um but a woman, uh, McPhee, in the Boston media, outed him. Two days later, he hangs himself in his cell. Um, and the night before, oh yeah, he was smoking K2. Synthetic marijuana. So, plenty of reasons why somebody could lose their shit. And mental health is a complicated issue. Complicated issue. I just don't like it when we act like we know exactly why people do the things we do. Keep pushing. Let's try to figure it out but not all of us are, are doomed. Yep. There's more than one answer to, to questions like this. Yes. Yep. There are many. Um, let's finish with, uh, let's finish with some football. Okay. Yeah. Yay. Football. <laughs> Aaron Hernandez doc to yay. Football. These guys this weekend are getting some extra football. Uh, championship weekend. If you're ra- if you're ranking the weekends, you, you like the divisional round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's tough. I really like this one. Yeah, I even I ranked divisional ahead of wild card, championship even ahead of wild card, even though there's more ball to yeah, be played. Yeah, championship weekend's great because you you get to pick your ideal Super Bowl matchup and root for it. <sighs> this one, I mean, we have two lines of seven points or greater. Yeah, and I can't tell you, I. I this is why I'm glad I don't gamble. Yeah. You could, you could convince me that tough weekend for anything your boy. could happen. Tough weekend for your boy. Even playing with a little house money after uh, the LSU Tiger uh, got after the Clemson Tigers. I should be like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to win some money this weekend. Let me put it all on the Titans. But um, I, am, I am apprehensive and 
I'm apprehensive on the other game too. I'm leaning the dog, especially because Green Bay's the line is swollen to nine. Oh, has it really? Yes, it has. Wow. Uh, that's enticing. But also, there's reason to believe in both games that it could be a blowout. Um, so, as I sit here twiddling my thumbs, the line is shrinking in the Tennessee game. It was a seven and a half. Now it's a seven. Uh, but I went back and watched uh, both games this week. If you had, if you had to, uh, truth gun. Yep. Who wins both games? Score. Uh, Kansas City uh, wins. Thirty-four seventeen. Okay, golly. And uh, the Green Bay Packers. Wow. Upset the Niners twenty to seventeen. You are doing I'm that because of the uniforms. Uh, I'm not. I'm doing it because it's not. It's no. Hey, the Titans are the third best team in the AFC um, months ago, but I'm sticking with uh, number twelve yeah. in white this weekend. Yeah. I just think he's been undervalued for the last month or two. Everybody keeps saying that Green Bay is not worthy of the two seed. They're not as good as 13-3. and three. They just beat a not-so-good Seattle team. Yep. And they got torched last time they were in Santa Clara. Well, that's why, um, that's why that seed matters so much. Um, I, I have doubted them all year. I'm actually... Uh, I'm actually feeling better about them now, obviously, after you win two playoff games or a playoff a, a playoff game. Um, it was Seattle. That was an easy draw for them. But you could also argue that San Francisco had a bit of an easy draw as it played out on the field. So I don't know what to think of either of these teams. I feel a lot more secure about San Francisco. But when it comes down to it, you're going to bet on Jimmy G in the big moment or Aaron Rodgers. Right, Aaron Rodgers. And – who are the best offensive players in that game? Um, the best offensive players in that game, well. I mean, I can think of one niner, and that's George Kittle. Otherwise. He's the best offensive player in the game. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, Aaron Jones is, Aaron is Jones, up there. Devontae, uh, Adams. Devontae Adams is up there. Also, Devo Samuel has gotten my attention. Um, I think Bakhtiari is a really good player. If we're going to count non-quarterbacks and, and linemen. We'll get to that one. I want to start with the game that we're going to live stream uh, Sunday, 3 p.m. That's going to be fun. We have um, a sponsor for this live stream. We're not going to talk about it now, okay. but that means we're moving up in the world. Yep. At, are, is it a uh, sponsor that's going to bestow upon us? Blessings. Crazy swag, that sort of deal. I would love some swag. Nice. So, yeah, let's try to get that worked out. Okay. Um, when I watched the first Titans game, like it's amazing how far these teams have come. Like Mahomes was just coming off an injury, right? The dis- dislocated knee. They just beaten Kirk Cousins uh, with Matt Moore at home. That's how long ago this 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 feels. They lost three of five, uh, and I never thought that out of those teams struggling with an injury or that kind of weren't the same that this team would be the team to never lose again after they lost to the Titans. They have not lost since. Um, and the Titans, of course, were four and five and would only lose two more games, and those were the Saints and the Texans. So really good runs for both teams. They've both gotten hot, two of the hottest teams in football. Um, and the game was 35-32. It was a bunch of lead changes. I think it was five. But what people might not remember about this game is the Chiefs had an opportunity to pull away early. Uh, they were up 7 nothing early. 
They score again, make it 14-0. They had penalties in the red zone. Uh, that touchdown got called back. They settled for 10-0. In fact, they were like 7 for 65 on penalties the first half. Mahomes looked really rusty early, right? Almost threw a couple picks right off the bat. He threw into questionable windows all day, but that was one thing for the Titans. They didn't make the most of it. They, they didn't end up with a bunch of turnovers. He also threw some beautiful throws. If you remember the Tyreek Hill lob, which was on the far hash, and he basically threw like a fast guy fade. Far hash to, to the opposite pylon in like a second, and he just lofted it beautifully. He also had like a jump pass to, uh, who did he throw that to? Uh, who's the new kid? Hardman that came along. So that went for a touchdown. They had some big plays. Um, and Tyreek Hill, they nailed him on third down all game. Mahomes threw the ball 17 times, like with five minutes, uh, five minutes into the, in, into the uh, second quarter. At the half, though, Tennessee had 15 snaps. They were outgained 254 to 114. They never panicked. They kept answering. That's kind of been the thing with this team. They had a, a fumble return for touchdowns, 53-yarder. They had a long, uh, long uh, pass play. That was it for them in the first half. But they answered when it mattered. And that was a game, of course, Lewan was, was apologizing for all his penalties. He had a sequence coming out of the half where it was like three straight, and they were backed up. And they, you know, being tied after that abysmal half, they really needed it. They didn't get it on that first drive. Henry broke that long touchdown run. Um, and that was actually on Chris Jones, if you look back. Chris Jones, who was the best player on the field that day, absolutely wrecked the game. And that's another important thing this weekend. Huge. Huge. When you watch that tape, he wreaked havoc. He had two sacks. He caused the sack. The best play of the day was not on the stat sheet. Go back and watch Frank Clark's sack. I think it was in the fourth quarter. Chris Jones picked up an interior lineman. I think it was number 64, like he was a child, and placed him uh, right in Tanhill's lap. When I saw that play, watching film, I, I audibly gasped. And that doesn't happen a lot for me. And Chris Jones was at practice on Friday. He was at practice. But with these calves, they're tricky. I had one like leading up to the Super Bowl, um, and I was a lot older than Chris Jones at that point. But they are tricky. You can feel good one day. You test it out. Uh, they're dicey. I think that's the biggest hinge in the game yep. is whether or not Chris Jones plays. But even that long run um, w was on him because they had him at end, and he didn't close fast enough. And I'll explain it this way. Uh, you know, if you're backside on a play – and the tackle blocks down and disappears. You got to get down the line and close that 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 space uh, in the in, in the new C gap, which which gets widened. And guys are so worried frontside with Derrick Henry. He's a one cut runner, and he'll get downhill. And that's why the interior linemen need to be big when they play this weekend. Because if you get cut on the backside or, or reached, you're in trouble. That guy gets going downhill in the second level unabated. It's a problem. But if you remember, the game goes back and forth, back and forth. They didn't even target A.J. Brown until the third, um, which was puzzling. Tannehill and the Titans are down 29-20, to, to 20, and I think the biggest play of the game was Tannehill on third and 10, tucking the ball, running for a first down, dragging a defender. Um, you know, it's it, They get the ball back with like two minutes left, down a score, fourth and 17. They almost get it. Game's over, right? Nope. They get three stops. I think it was a botched field goal or a fake, right? Yep. Um. And then Tannehill had a long run again, two chunk plays to tight ends, ball game. So if you're Tennessee this weekend, 
this is why you're hopeful looking back. I think you're hopeful because it's another game where he only threw for 180 yards. I mean, we've talked about 80 yards the first two playoff games. Not good enough, right? Well, 180 was good enough for him to beat the Chiefs and score 35 points. Also, you have to think about the fact that they just beat the number one defense and number one offense in the same playoff. Yeah. That's the third time that's ever happened. Um, and Tannehill's made the throws he had to make so far in the playoffs. Um, he stood in there that first game. He got crushed. Chris Jones was killing him. Um, but got, got sacked four times in that first yeah, game. Got sacked four times, got hit a bunch. And uh, another thing you got to feel good about is Mahomes threw the ball 50 times and they had their biggest offensive output of the season in the regular season at over 500 yards and they still beat him. Um, you know, so there's a lot to there's a lot to be hopeful for. They ran 15 plays in the first half and they still were tied. Like they're not going to play that poorly this weekend. They had uh, touchdown drives of 73, 74, 75, and 61. They ran for 225. That's the key. If Chris Jones is out, that's only going to get worse. I know we've talked about this with um, Derrick Henry. It's unprecedented the way they continue to ride him. I mean, he, he's got to live in a cold bath. Yeah, well, yeah. What else are they going to do? But you know, you know what's cool about him, though, is, uh, yeah, you're, you're in burn the ships mode. I mean, like, what does it matter yeah. if he's tired the next – I mean, like, you've got two weeks here you win this game. That two weeks in a playoff run is magic for your body. I've got a question for yeah. you. Yeah. Four teams left. Yeah. Fantasy draft. Yeah. Number one overall pick. Who are you taking? Is it PRP league? I'm not saying fantasy football. I'm saying you get to pick one player. Well, non-quarterback. No, anybody. Oh, Matt, Pat, Pat Mahomes. Okay. And is, is Derrick Henry two? Is Aaron Rodgers too? I'm taking quarterbacks the whole time, right? You're taking Tannehill over Derrick Henry? Well, no. Okay, so hypothetically, is you can it, take it, an offensive player, defensive player? Okay, so if you I want. took Pat Mahomes first, I have a quarterback. Oh man, I'm just saying overall. I think some people would take Derrick Henry right now as the over whom everybody. That's insane. I agree. I would do Mahomes too, but I think you need there's a, a quarterback, case to be made. right? I'm just saying. Yeah. To start. Yeah. Pat Mahomes is the best player uh, left in the playoffs that that touches the ball with regularity. Okay, um, but Derrick Henry touches it every single play. He could, but a lot of a lot of that is predicated on. Now the Ravens loaded the box, and that didn't do much for him. Um, you still need somebody under center. I would say this to make it interesting out of non quarterbacks for sure. It's Derrick Henry. Um, who's after that? Uh, Kittle. Kelsey, Kittle, Kittle is is two for me. That's a, that's that's a good call. So there's a lot there's a lot of reasons to be uh to be hopeful. The Chiefs are ten and one this year when scoring twenty six points or more. This was the one game, um you know, and and that might be depending on how you look at it. Another thing they should be hopeful about is our guy Juan Thornhill is out. That was huge. I mean, especially when the Texans were putting up points. Yep. It was a lot of middle of the field stuff. Yep, and and that will only get better for them. And you know, like your best player on defense is about five five nine. Uh, and you know, Derrick Henry gets in the second level. And by the way, that Kansas City Chiefs line, defensive line, and Spags has done a magnificent job. I, I would argue that he's done better job than uh, than even relative to what he's working with than even those Giants runs. The way he's turned this team around defensively, but. If uh, if uh, that big ass dude is gonna get in the second level, and you know I love Honey Badger, 
uh, size is size. Um, Kansas City, though, uh, the the case. I I think I'm thinking about the line again. And KC is such a square pick. People are thinking about the 51 points. When they're down 24 nothing, they start at the plus 42. Yep. After that kick return, then they start at the plus 33 after the failed fake punt. Right. And then they start at the plus six after that fumble on the kick return. So it's 24-21 after they've had to go not so far. Yeah, a combination of what, like 100 yards? Yeah. Um, that's a great point. And, and that's going to that's gonna be a theme for me in the second game breakdown. But these guys, Tennessee, uh, are not going to play that way. Right. They're not going to abandon the run game. They never panicked this entire game. They came out before the half in basically two minute and just ran the ball. And then they got over like to midfield because Henry just punctured it. And they're like, oh, we, we do want to score. Um, Kansas City, they have a lot to be hopeful for. Um, they haven't lost since, for one. They've racked up a ton of yards. Uh, they wrapped up, racked up a ton of yards on, um, on Tennessee. They gave up a defensive touchdown and a long run. So I feel like if you're a team like them, you feel like you probably should win the game. Uh, you know, after you walk out of a game where you give up a score on defense or a long run, you know, coaches usually on Monday are like, guys, we're right there. You know, we, we did X and Y and we still almost won. And that's true. Um, more so on the fumble return for a touchdown on Williams on, on the Williams run. But the thing that makes Henry special on this topic is he's not just Marshawn Lynch. He can do home run shit too. I mean, his stride for being 6'4 is why he runs away from people. And uh, he gets out in, in, uh, in the open field, and it's pretty impressive. But Kansas City, again, they probably feel like they should have won the game. They were missing a few guys, including uh, left tackle who hurt them. 75 was getting beat like a drum a little bit. Um, and plus, the same reason we talked about earlier with A-Rod, it's Mahomes versus Tannehill. So you got to feel good about that. And it's Kansas City versus Nashville. Yep, it's Arrowhead. Um, but if there's any team that can handle a road trip like this, it's a team with their backs against the wall, the underdog thing. I know what they're feeling. And, uh, and with Vrabel's personality, the street rat effect, Yeah, street rats are going to take over Arrowhead, bro. They, they, they revel in this, uh, in this situation. I think sometimes like the, the revenge role, because Kansas City could certainly play the revenge card. They've beaten us two times in a row, et cetera. When you're the underdog that works well, doesn't work as well when you're favored. I feel like Kansas City has everything to lose with Andy Reid's history, with last year, with the way Tennessee's been after him. Don't you think that 24 nothing hole last week helps them this week? Hey, guys, we need to come out and be ready. They need to, and that, sh- that shocked me because off a of bye, they're usually very good with Andy. Um, but I, I don't know why you think, if you're Tennessee, that you've gotten better overnight defensively. They're a middle-of-the-pack defensive team. They played really well in spots against the Titans, but they needed, um, what, four turnovers or three turnovers and uh, two fourth down stops to win that game. And that's a little little bit of an outlier, and anything can happen. Against the Ravens. Uh, Ravens, sorry. Yeah. Um, what did I say? Against the Titans. Yeah, they are the Titans. Are. Um, remember them. Remember, I will. Not a great movie, but I will. Long Junior. Yeah. Uh, so we, so we do have a a long on the Titans, by the way. Well, and this sounds silly, um, because 
we've been watching them every week, so you're going to start to know names, but Adoree Jackson, Kevin Byard, Kenny Vaccaro, Logan Ryan in that secondary? It's a nice secondary, but it hasn't yielded astronomical results this year. And by the way, I love the way Logan Ryan's been playing. Logan, I was you know watching that game. He came downhill and knocked 75's block off on a crack toss. Logan will get involved in the run game. I think he had 13 tackles. He's going to have to. He's going to have to play just as well in the run game as he does in the past. Um, and they got to do something about Tyreek Hill. That guy got the ball. He got targeted 19 times. Um, and he had, he had converted like four or five third downs in a row at one point. He's such a matchup problem. They do so many things in motion to identify man, and then they run him across the field through all this traffic, and guys just get picked, or they can't run with him. Uh, another reason that the Chiefs probably feel good is everybody was open the first game, okay? They got to do more to pressure uh, uh, Mahomes. He drifts a lot. If you, if you watch him, he's a big drifter. You know, he will just kind of drift back into the right. So who's ever playing left end needs to play with discipline, and uh, and and they got to rush him. But only twelve percent tight windows for Mahomes the first game. And Titans needed three turnovers, two fourth down stops. We talked about that against the Ravens. So you got to feel good about that if you're the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are really good against the play action pass. And what do the Titans do? Play action pass. Yeah, dynamite. Um. So with Juan out, though, we'll see. Also, uh, the Chiefs really good in the red zone defensively. Titans have been on this you know, historic tear at 87% since uh, Tannehill came in. Um, and they ran 78 plays to Tennessee's 49. You got to feel pretty good about that, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Control the clock. That's what Tennessee's done throughout the playoffs. Dave Tobe. Special teams guru in Kansas City. Yeah. They got Butker. They got Colquitt. Hot prop. I say Butker outscores Derrick Henry. Who? I'm not going to do it. Maybe, we can, maybe we'll do it on We'll Sunday. do it on the live stream. Yeah. So, again, uh, I think what Tennessee has to do, get pressure on Mahomes. He had time to drift in the pocket, find the soft spots. They have to set vertical edges on these, stre- on these stretch runs. Stretch runs are fine getting outside an end, but they have to bubble. And by bubble, I mean the, the, the back or the receiver on a jet motion because they get to this run game a ton of different ways. If he's running straight, you know, five yards behind the line of scrim- scrimmage without having to bubble, your second-level guys do not appreciate it. If you can get vertical and say, if you're going to beat me running the ball inside the tackles, that's one thing because we have better D-tackles than your D-tackles if Chris Jones is down. Tennessee's D-tackles have played really well. Um, you know, Jarrell Casey did not play in that game, I don't think. He'll be back. Uh, Simmons has been a really strong addition. Um, and then if Chris Jones plays, just block the fucking guy. It sounds easier um, than, said than done, but uh, just get it done. Find a way. And get the ball to A.J. Brown. Why did we wait three quarters? Uh, and now Kansas City... They got to cut down on the penalties. They had a ton that kept them from putting this team away. Tennessee can't start slow. They'll get jumped in, in Arrowhead. If they pull that shit in Arrowhead that they pulled at home, there's no um there's no Johnny Cash getting played after your touchdowns like there's just big ass dudes in red jerseys smashing beers over their heads. Barbecue. There's barbecue smell. It's just Arrowhead's a special place. Tomahawk chop. Yes, I love it. Mm. Um, 
Well, I, careful. I, I love Arrowhead. Okay, yeah, careful. They'll score, uh, but can Tennessee kick field goals? That's a big one. Yeah. They, all they've done is the, the kicker they signed week 16 has not attempted a, a, a field goal. Yeah, Greg Joseph, not familiar with his work. Not me neither. That, that's probably why he hasn't uh, attempted a field goal. So I think if, if I'm going to do a score and you went 34-17, I'll go 30. I'll, I don't want to use the same total. You may. I'll go 34-28. Chiefs. Yes? Tight. Titans. Titans to the Super Bowl. Yep. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Well, what what needs to happen for 34 points? I mean, is that Derrick Henry? Is that a defensive score like they had the first time? I think, I, well, I think, you know, when, when you looked at that first game, Tannehill led him on his third game-winning drive in four weeks. This was the, the game that solidified that he was real. Um, at least in this system, he's going to need to play better than he did even the first game. Everything they did was like underneath to Jonu Smith or tight ends. They're going to have to get A.J. Brown involved. He's going to have to have a big day. They have to take advantage of Juan Thornhill being out. You're going to need a couple big plays, um, and you're going to need to continue to pound the rock. Derrick Henry's going to have to run for 150 yards for them to win. If he runs for 150 yards, I think they're going to win. I just can't believe this run that he's had. Thought it'd be over two weeks ago, certainly last week. Banking on it this week. Guy wore white after Labor Day. You think he gives a fuck? I think he wore a crown leaving M&T Bank. Did he? Yeah. yeah he doesn't give a fuck. Nah. It's like Joe Burrow with a cigar. The two swaggiest people in America right now, Joe Burrow, Derrick Henry. Yep. They got the world by the balls. Pretty cool being those guys right now. I can only imagine. Now in the other game, it got ugly. Right, the first time around, it was like thirty-seven to eight or something. Like Correct. That. Was that thirty-seven to eight? Yep. Um, bottom line for the Packers, I watched the first half and turned it off. That's all I needed to see. They got jumped on the road. It's that simple. They were down twenty to nothing uh, at the half. Things slowly fell apart. You had like the first drive sack fumble. Episode number twenty-three to nothing at the half. Yeah, was it twenty-three to nothing? Yeah. So, no big deal. Th- so three scores at the half, um, which if you're not the Chiefs, that's kind of not how you want to play. Um, but things fell apart. You had multiple opportunities. You had the sack fumble on the first drive. And the funny thing about the first drive was they came out and they had a couple good plays. Like right off the bat, they're at midfield on a um, on an Adams uh, reception on the left sideline, and he bumps the the corner. Like, yeah, motherfucker. And they're, oh, right. and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taunting? I remember um, that. So they back him up. Then you get the sack fumble. They get the ball in two. Bosa recovers the ball. They go in and score. So it's 7 nothing. Um, and, you know, there was bad punt coverage all the first half. They couldn't flip the field. Um, Niners had great starting positions. They couldn't even, there was a botch snap uh, a possession later. Ball's kicking around. A bunch of people have an opportunity to get it. They can't fall on that. So they didn't get any breaks. And uh, again, they have the ball at midfield like three times in the first quarter, it felt like. And they couldn't get over it. It's 10 nothing before you can blink. Um, they have an opportunity in plus territory at the 28. Go for it on fourth and one, down 10 nothing. They go for it. They get stuffed. And, uh, and then they have San Francisco pinned and another punt. 
They get the they have San Francisco punting basically out of their end zone, and instead of getting the ball at midfield, the coverage is great. Thirty yard line, they just couldn't get a break. Give up a sack to Armstead, um, who's been great, and I, I remember people calling him a bust. Um, he has absolutely balled out. Uh, really happy for him at adding him in inside to Buckner. I mean, him coming along makes them. He's the he's the domino for me because coming into the year, you might say if you had, if you were stuck on the narrative of him being a bust, you've got this great D line, but um, there's one there's one lesser part in the sum, and and he has not been a lesser part. He's been a dominant force. And honestly, when they played the first time. I'm not worried about the tackles. If Balag is healthy, he left the game at, at one point, and that's when the wheels really fell off. Balaga being healthy, Bakhtiari, I'm not worried about the edge guys. I'm really not. The guys that worry about are inside, and uh, and that's what you got to keep an eye on. But they gave up a sack to 91. Uh, they end up tightening up the next possession. Kittle starts getting involved. 13 nothing. You're okay right now. You've played like shit, but you're backed up. You try to get points. You give the Niners back, and the Niners aren't even trying to score. They run the ball twice, they get two chunk plays, and they're like, oh, all right, let's make this thing like 20 to nothing. And at that point, they hit Samuel, they give him free access, about 50 yards, touchdown, it's over. Um, so that's what you can't have happen. You're on the road, you're not a team that's built to play from behind, you're not the Packers of old. You have to lean on your defense and play complimentary football. One of 15 on third downs. Terrible. 2.8 yards of play on 70 snaps. San Francisco had 45 snaps. And that was uh, that was the lowest yards per play and points of the season for the Packers and the, the lowest yards per attempt for, for Rodgers ever. 104 yards on 33 passes. Wild. So, so really wild. And I thought when I watched him, he looked off. I mean, San Francisco also blitzed him 31% of the time. That's the highest all year. Well, second highest all year for them. They blitzed the Saints more. And when you look at it, I guess that's, to me, saying that if we speed up Aaron's clock, he's going to be looking. He's not going to be looking downfield. Um, we, we're not afraid of the weapons, and I don't blame him. Outside of uh, of Adams, and I guess the same thing. They, they blitz the Saints a bunch. I mean, the, the common thread there is that there's probably a not not a lot of people that scare you outside of uh, of Mike Thomas and Kamara. I mean, they have better weapons in New Orleans, but two really good offensive lines, right? So the Niners, it's going to be interesting to see you know, how they play them. Do they bring pressure? That was 10 percentage points higher than, uh, than all year. I don't think they're afraid of, uh, of these guys at all, and I, I think they expect to roll them again. But Aaron was off all day, and it felt like everything was either really underneath or a deep shot, and the coverage was great outside. He missed some real intermediate chunk plays. Um, that if he takes what, what he's given this week, and I think part of that is not pressing and not being down two, three scores early, then you take what you can get and you move the ball. Um, so yeah, if I'm Green Bay, I'm hopeful because Aaron Rodgers is, uh, is not going to do this twice, right? That's, that's what we got to bank on. Right. Throw it to Jamal Williams. Jamal. Uh, he... Aaron seemed Aaron had some confidence about him this week. He does, and that's really palpable. I mean, since this game, they've reeled off six straight. Right. He's Much got like a nice yeah. He's got a nice mix of the chip and his swagger back. 
And to be honest, that looked more like Aaron Rodgers last week. And I know it was the Seahawks, and they're abhorrent at the second level. Um, but again, you've you've got to figure another team that we talked about the Chiefs just a second ago. They had a bunch of plays. Packers had 75 plays, as you mentioned. One of 15 on third down, as you mentioned. Um, and that will improve. San Francisco only had 16 first downs, the second lowest of the season. Yeah. So if you look at that. Green Bay. Yeah. If you looked at that first half. Really, San Francisco, until that drive at the end that they put it away early, there were two plays. There was the sack fumble, and there was a chunk run that put them into a field goal range. It was 10 nothing for an eternity, and Green Bay just couldn't move it. Jimmy G's passer rating was a career high. Does that happen like twice? Like, are you banking on that? Now, it's not going to be a 30-point difference if he has a bad day, but if you remember last week, he only threw a handful of passes after that bad pick to Kendricks. Yep. So... um I think uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston are not Hunter and Griffin uh, in a good way. You're not going right. to be able to just line up, head up on them, and move them. That that scheme is better. Uh, I don't know about some of the guys up front besides those guys. Cause I've, I've, my biggest concern with Green Bay all year has been kind of soft up front. Zadarius. Yeah. Zadarius. Is he fucking awesome or what? Two sacks at halftime last week. Yeah. And my bold prediction was three for the ball game. Couldn't get the Couldn't hattie. Get Couldn't get it. I was watching like every snap. Just come on. I have a um, a long shot bet with Bet America that he has multi a multi sack game this week, which is not far fetched. I mean, he's done it a lot this year. Um, some somebody in mailbag asked me a a, a good question um, about um, if I could if I could go and be any football player for a day. Who I would be. I, not to get the mailbag started. Chase, if you could wake up and be any other football player from any time period for an entire season in their prime, who would you be and why? I don't know. Who would you be? Any football player in any season. So that's your answer that you would just like to be any no, football no, no. player in any I'm, season, which I'm, makes sense. I'm repeating the question uh, to give myself more time. This year, I might want to be Zadarius Smith. I respect his game so fucking much. I just, he doesn't get the hype. He's starting to, um, but he's a complete football player and he can rush all up and down the line. And he just, he's just got this, this nasty streak to him. I'll be Derrick Henry this year. That'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. Invincible. Absolutely invincible. Um, another mailbag question. Let's get right in the mailbag. Okay. They you got want to do a score on uh Oh yeah, my score. Now the Niners are going to win this game, okay? I mean, that's a smart pick. I have packed <sighs> 20 to 17. Wow. Okay, I've got um I've got Niners 26 and I've got Packers 21. Okay. Which hits the pack, over. Pack cover. Yeah. Okay. Which hits the over. Um, and what you might do in this game is tease this bad boy to 15 for the pack and tease the over down to 40. Just a little pro tip there. Tease God, Chris Long. I'm the tease God. I have spoken. Um, let's do the mailbag real quick and get out of here. Sweep the Leg asks, do you have a shelter or bunker ready for when the robots take over? I don't. Um, and I have a few locations that I've discussed with my family, but you know, giving them out on the pod would be... Because if you give out your bunker location... Then everybody shows up when the shit hits the fan. They're like, hey. Including the bots. Including the bots. Jake Hatcher asks, how pissed would you be if that Eagles team lost to the Pats in the Super Bowl 
and found out later they cheated somehow, like Dodgers are finding out about Astros. So, yeah, so uh, the latest on this is the buzzer thing. Is that... Uh, the, the, the buzzer is the latest. And if the buzzer thing is true, that they're getting buzzed about off-speed pitches, burn it to the ground. Yeah, but how is a buzzer, and I think this is awful, I think their World Series should be vacated. Yes. Um, in general, I mean, just for the trash can thing. I mean, you're using electronics. I don't, yeah, I'm a baseball watcher, but I'm not a baseball expert. Camera in center field, going to a, a room in the hallway, banging on the trash can when all speed pitches are coming. Yeah. The buzzer, for some reason, makes that even worse for me. But baseball's in a tricky spot. How are you getting new fans? I mean, baseball fans have been fans for life. Yeah. I mean, they're they're on the verge of being relegated to great sport, but it doesn't have widespread popularity. They, yes. They're about to be hockey. I would argue hockey is much more exciting and fun and watchable than baseball. Well, on a, personally, I would agree with you. Yeah. But I'm just saying, they're, if, if now the games are fixed, it's not like you were. And that's why I think that no matter what that, um, that investigation yielded, I could see the MLB looking the other way on the buzzer portion. They've said that there was no evidence. Right, they already have. But yeah. you have Altuve. Like, right. No, don't take my shirt off. And I'm supposed to believe with all this smoke that he just wants to be modest. That's right. the story. Well, and then before putting on the uh, championship shirt, he runs into the dugout. And here's the video if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah. He's saying, no, do not rip off my jersey. I'm wearing the buzzer device. Is that, that, is that, are, is oh, that well, what the mic? I mean, pretty what do you much. think he's saying there? No, 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 no. I got everybody the thing knows. in my yeah. shirt. Yeah, it's not a nipple. No, not. It's not a titty. It's just my. Uh, it's my buzzer. Um, and, yeah. I mean, th- this is not partially deflated footballs. No, and by the way, on topic, I did this whole thing on Deflategate. After you righted that wrong at halftime in Indy, they went out and torched Indy in the second mm-hmm. half, and then beat. The one of the greatest defenses of all time, a series of big third downs on Tom Brady's back in that Super Bowl. So Deflategate, I'm not moved by that. Strohs have fired their manager. Red Sox have fired their manager. Mets have fired their manager. The organizations aren't taking it lightly. Well, they have to. They yeah, they can't. And they're with all these stupid unwritten rules in baseball. Everything baseball players complain about. He looked at me after he hit right. the ball. You big old hypocrites. Yeah. Y'all are cheating. Bunch of cheaters. I, you think you know somebody. I spent a night out with Bregman. <laughs> I hate to say this, but I love, I love Bregman. He was so cool. And he's a, I still think he's a cool guy. But if he's a cheater, he shouldn't have his ring. Yes. None of them. No. Because guys got paid off of this. Like, think of the... Oh, the ramifications. The ramifications are huge. Miles. Yeah, and then you have to wonder about the Red Sox World Series too. But you Coral know what? The, the most charge. yeah, the most frustrating part of that, and it's hard for you to say, right? Because you're a Sox fan. Uh, Remember that night when we uh, partied after the Sox finally won? Oh four. Um, if I was on one of the other teams they beat, I wouldn't. Eat, I'd be like, yeah, take it away from. Them, but I don't want the ring. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing. Like, that's the worst part. It wouldn't even feel like a championship. You can't go back and have the parade. Right. But, Imagine cheating like that and then doing the whole parade. I know. Best, I know. I know. That's sociopathic behavior. Best thing I saw on the internet was the Astros logo with instead of the star and asterisk. 
it's, oh. it's a good looking logo too. They let JJ Watt down. They did. They let JJ Watt down. They let George Bush Sr. down. That old man wheeled out there and you let him down. You yeah. should be ashamed of yourselves. What's next? Um, Danny Cage. Oh, shout out to Danny Cage. Asks, your favorite pro wrestler as a kid. Uh, yeah, that would be Stone Cold Steve Austin. He, uh, I really loved when he used to stun the entire McMahon family. I, how about now? Oh, how about now? That would be probably nobody. Do you know Danny Cage? Yeah, I know him from Twitter. So are we plugging his... Uh... Let's plug his Monster Factory. For, at 4 Monster Factory, owned by the handsome and stunning Danny Cage. Okay. So shout out to Danny Cage. Next question comes to us yeah. in my inbox yeah, from Sean Brennan. Yeah. With the success of the 49ers and Titans making their respective conference championship games, do you think the NFL is going to move toward a more run-based ground and pound style of football? If so, do you believe the Philadelphia Eagles should give Deuce Staley the OC job? Well, that's not why they should give Deuce Staley the OC job, but I do think they should give Deuce Staley the OC job. Um, unless you can get... I don't know. I, there, there's guys out there, but if you're looking for a guy in your organization, I think Deuce Staley's going to make a tremendous head coach one day, hopefully. And I know we did the Rooney Rule thing yesterday, and I, I got a couple uh, nice comments, a couple mean comments. Um, Deuce Staley's a good football coach, was a really good player. I think that the Niners and Titans making their runs um, goes to show you that if you throw a wrinkle into current trends, you can – you can outmaneuver some of these rosters that are built for speed and, and finesse. There are still throwback uh, teams, and it's a matchup thing. It just depends. You know, in the Niners, they have a scheme. and the Titans, they have a special player. So unless they're going to clone a bunch of Kyle Shanahan's or a bunch of Derrick Henry's, I don't think, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to run out there and try to revamp their whole offense accordingly. Um, but... If you have something special, you can lean into it from a uh, from a an identity standpoint. Well, we can add Matt LaFleur to that. I mean, yeah. before the season, it was can Aaron Rodgers deal with this run-based yeah. scheme that he's going to implement? Yep. Matt LaFleur, also Kyle Shanahan, best buddies. Yep, and McVay. Um, but ironically, McVay caught shit, and they were all in Washington – McVay caught shit for not running the ball enough uh, with Todd. And then, you know, most famously, um, 28-3, to three, um, Kyle Shanahan forgot to run the football at the end of the game. But that was good for your boy. Macon from Charlottesville asks, can you say the word parody without spelling it? Parody. Nice. Wasn't sure. I, I, you were on a heater of spelling the word parody whenever you said it. I love it. spelling the word parody. Uh, ooh, favorite walk-out, walk-up song. How about you? Mm. That's from, uh, I can't. I don't know how to say that. With no time to prepare for that question, I'm going to say Larger Than Life by the Backstreet Boys as <laughs> I walk out. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty good. I have to think about mine, but I used to really like the DMX intro from It Is Dark and Hell Is Hot. I forget who I saw walk into that at like an MMA match or a boxing match, and I was like, holy shit, that guy's about to win. Um Hardest thing I've ever had to tell a teammate. I played tennis. Never had a teammate. 
<laughs> so I was really having to talk to myself, a lot of self-talk. And it was, uh, hey, man, you don't have it today. That's the hardest thing I've probably ever had to say. <laughs> That's good. I've never had to tell a teammate something awful, I don't think. Let me jog my memory. Um, we'll table that one. If we had to save our species like that Galapagos <laughs> turtle did recently, who would you select to do the job and why? All right. Who would you select? To uh, repopulate our species. That's um, a trap question. I'm not afraid to talk about a... You pick a white guy, you're kind of saying, I want everybody to be white. Oh, golly day. That's the trap there. Okay. I'm staying out. Go ahead. Who's yours? Um... I'm not sure. <laughs> What's the worst fan interaction story? When do you get most upset at a fan? Yeah, I smacked a guy's phone out of his hand recently at a bar because I'm really not a big fan of sneak pictures, especially assault. assault especially if, um, like, I will always take a picture, even drunk, because that's some people I get it. Like, if you're drinking, you don't want to get caught on camera drunk. If I'm drunk, if I'm high, I don't care. Like, if you you're won't polite, smile, though. I'm not a big smiler. Um, now, if you're going to come up to me for a picture, don't take pictures while we're setting up to take the pictures. Like, you know, mm. you know. So I'm, I'm talking to the guy that I'm getting ready to take a picture with. His friend is taking sneak pictures at a bar. The flash is on. I say, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Then he takes another one as my hand's out. So I go, whap. And I smack the phone out of his hand. So maybe I'm telling on myself, maybe I have a case coming. Yeah. But that's probably the worst. That's about as bad as it's been for me. Um, you can eat only eat one food for the rest of your life. This is the last one. Butter beans. Butter beans. Wait. I'm going to say, uh, yeah, butter beans. I'm going to say, um, the first thing that came to mind was fried shrimp, which is just ridiculous. It was so, I, if I could only eat one cuisine the rest of my life, one city's cuisine the rest of my life, it would be New Orleans. Is that fair? That's fair. And, it's fair if you let me, a man, to say succotash. I want to add some corn in there. Succotash? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that, that does it for the mailbag. Um, we'll be more prepared next time. Uh, check us out. This uh, Sunday, we have a 3 p.m. live watch sponsored by uh, Corporate Big Wig. Mm. So you know we're moving uh, in the right direction. Can't wait. Hoo-hoo-hoo, Kenny Powers. Nice. We're starting to pick up a little Woo. traction. Woo. I sell fucking Kias. It's not going to be Kia. It's going to be a mystery sponsor. And I will feel really dumb if they pulled out at the last second <laughs> and it's not confirmed. We're going to have to make up a sponsor. We're going to be Titans, Chiefs. We'll do that game. Uh, might be uh, some interviews dropping soon. Uh, if not, check us out Sunday and check us out next week on Greenlight Pod. This has been number 23. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Y'all take care. Take care, y'all. I think you said somebody ran uh, 70 plays when they ran – you said 75 when they ran 70. Yep, Packers, oh, boom. Mm. Ran 70 plays on. Okay. On. On? On. 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 On.
the San Francisco 49ers? Well, yeah, but I was going to give you a date. They always give me the date right here, and oh. there's no date on November 24th. Yeah, 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 it seems like a lifetime ago. The Clippers. Okay, the Clippers were founded in 1970 as the Buffalo Braves. Yeah. One of three expansion teams to join the NBA in 1970. You remember the uh, Portland and Cleveland franchises mm-hmm. joined that year as well. Yeah, sure. In 78, they moved to San Diego and became the Clippers. I'll always remember where I was when that happened. In 81, they were purchased by uh, Donald Sterling. Yeah. And in 84, relocated to L.A. Uh, Clipper ships. Yeah. Naval, maritime. Right. From the San Diego origin. Yeah. God, what what a clean show. It wasn't that clean, but we corrected a lot uh, in real time. Okay, uh, and you also butcher Bova's name. You can find that live stream on YouTube.com. You can go to Twitter, at Chalk Network, and click the link right after 3 o'clock. We will be live. I also want to shout out my son's uh, Triceratops there that's been on the... Uh... That is nice. I want to shout out your son's uh, drawing of me, which I have on my refrigerator. Oh, really? Yep. That's cool. All right, y'all take care.